0: And I see a exuberance in him that uh, uh, that I wish uh, wish was there in me and and so often because I've played the game. But but I, I, I had the privilege, though, when I was a teenager, God got a hold of my heart in such a way that no longer would church be something I went to church would be something I was part of and uh become part of the body of christ knowing and and knowing and i'm still a firm believer today that god wants to do incredible things through his church i mean we're talking about world changing things he wants to do through his church you can touch the world through his bride the church and that's why he chose to do that and so i, I want to talk to you just for a few minutes on the church if i could today i, I you know one of the privileges I get as a pastor is sometimes i am handed notes from parents or from kids that, uh, that say certain things. You know, a kid drew a picture or wrote something, and I think, man, that's cute, and I'll keep them in my office and this kind of stuff. And then sometimes I think it would be great if if one of our ushers especially Kelly Gilbert. if you, Kelly has been being an usher so many years. The things he pulls out of the pockets that you leave there, notes and things like that, I'm thinking, man, those would make a great book, comic book, because of some of the things that are left in pews. But uh, I, I came across, these weren't for me, but they they could have been. But these are things that children have written to their pastor. And I thought these were pretty good. I want to share some of them with you today. Um, Dear Pastor. Please say in your sermon, Peter Peterson has been a good boy all week. I am Peter Peterson, signed Pete, age 9. Dear Pastor, are there any devils on earth? I think there may be one in my class. Carla, age 10. I know that God loves everybody, but He never met my sister. Yours sincerely, Arnold, age 8. Dear Pastor, I'm sorry I can't leave more money on the plate, but my father didn't give me a raise in my allowance. Could you please give a sermon about a raise in my allowance? Love, Patty, age 10. My mother is very religious. She goes to play bingo at church every week, even if she has a cold. Yours truly, Annette. Dear Pastor, I would like to go to heaven someday because I know my brother won't be there. Stephen, age 8. Uh, dear Pastor, I think a lot more people would come to your church if you moved to Disneyland Lorreen age nine uh dear pastor please please say a prayer for our little league team. We need god 's help or a new pitcher. Thank you, Alexander uh, dear pastor i 'll end with this one. I liked your sermon on Sunday, especially when it was finished, Ralph age eleven. You know, kids see church the the most incredible way, but I, I want you to turn with me to, to Paul's letter to the church in Colossians in, in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 1. I always love that we got people here that are new to the Word of God, so I'm always very sensitive to that. Colossians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in a town called Colossae, and it's in the New Testament of the Scriptures, and it's in the middle there where you got uh, letter Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and so I encourage you to turn there. It will be on the screen, but Colossians one twenty-eight and twenty-nine, and this is a life verse for me. I've got certain life verses, and this is a life verse for me. It says this in Colossians one twenty-eight and twenty-nine. It says, "Him we proclaim, Jesus. That's who he's talking about. We proclaim Jesus, warning everyone." And teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may be pres- that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. This is a life verse for me because there are certain days I want to quit. There are certain days I'm saying, God, this is too hard. I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, people have left the church, or people have said things, or this kind of stuff. And, and it hurts, and and I don't like it anymore, I'm burned out. What, You know, God, I don't know what to do. And I always go back to Colossians one, twenty-eight and 29, and the Lord reminds me, this is what I called you to do, Mark. I called you to proclaim Jesus. And I want you to warn people, and I want you to encourage people, and I want you to be able to present everyone mature in Christ Jesus, and I want you to labor with this, with everything that is in you. This is what I want you to do. And I have to come back to that time and time again and say, okay, Lord, thanks for reminding me um, that this is what I'm called to do. This is what you have called me to do. And this is what he's called us as a church, to proclaim Jesus. We're not here to proclaim Newsweek. We're not here to proclaim USA Today. We're here to proclaim Jesus, to lift him up. And when we exalt Jesus, we believe that he brings men into himself. And there's a twofold part of this. Part of it's warning. We have to warn people. You see, we believe that 7 billion people on this planet, that without Christ, we're doomed to an eternity separated from him. So there's a warning that has to come. But then there's an encouragement for us that walk in Christ, that you want to be encouraged. And so this is what we do. And we labor. We labor. The Christian faith isn't something that just happens. It's something that we, we labor at for the sake of the kingdom. And so I, I, I was reminded of that as I looked at this this week, but sometimes I get asked this question, Mark, what kind of church is central? What kind of church is central? So I, 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 some of this will just be repetition for you, but here's some of the things that I respond back. We're, we're a Bible-based followers of Jesus Christ. We have a history and a background that is in our Baptist tradition, uh, we are in evangelical and we are conservative in our theology. We're family focused, but we're very community involved. We, our direction comes through uh, the Scriptures in that we want to give glory to God. And the way the Scriptures teach us to bring glory to God is, first of all, through the great commandment that says that we are to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we are on the great commandment. But right behind that, Jesus gave us the Great Commission, which was to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything He's commanded us. And lo, He is with us always to the end of the age. So we believe if we're loving God and loving others with everything that's in us, and we're seeking to make disciples, that we're going to bring glory to God. And and there's a strategy in how we do this. Uh, First of all, we do it through what's called uh, exaltation, worship. We believe worship is vital. That's why we do not forsake the assembling. We come together and we worship and we, we, we believe it's to an audience of one. It's not, it's not about us. It's about Him and we want to come and we want to exalt Him. And then number two is we do it through edification. Edification means to build up. And so we believe that if we're going to present people mature in Christ Jesus, and I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if someday I'm going to stand before the Lord and He's going to say, Mark, what did you do with those people that I gave you a chance to leave?" I I, I would feel uh, a lot of pressure if that's the case, but I know I have a responsibility. But but we want to build up. And, And how do we build up? We build up around the Word. We build up around community. So if a person is coming to worship. We believe they need to get into a place of, of growth, and we do that through our small groups, through our Bible fellowships. We do it through certain home groups that come together. We do it through certain teachings that we want to build up so that you're not remaining a baby in your faith, but you're growing up. And we believe that through our exaltation, our edification, as we present the gospel, a person will have an opportunity to respond. But then the third thing we believe in is we believe in evangelism. We believe that uh, we have a mandate from God to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That this is what Jesus did. And that's why we love our neighbors. We, we do the things that we can so we can share our faith. But then our fourth, fourth strategy is this. If we believe everybody needs to serve. We believe that if all you're doing is taking in, taking in, taking in, it's just a matter of time before you go somewhere else to take in and take in and take in that if you've got to someplace, give yourself away. See, this is what makes Christianity so much different than any other faith. We are here to give ourselves away, not take from you, but give away. And so here we are. We believe that we bring glory to God through the great commandment, and the great commission, that we do it through exaltation, edification, evangelism, and service. And this is what we do. And we believe that this is called discipleship, growing up, that it's the Lord working through us. And we uh, believe there won't be a test on this, but I want you to, that we believe in our identity is in Christ, we grow close to Him, intimate with Him, and we express that to the world. So if somebody asks me what kind of church is central, that's the textbook answer. That is what I really believe. That's what I've built my life on with the body of Christ for the last you know, 50 years of my life or or whatever, to be able to do that. And so I I believe that that's what central is called to do. And so I want to take a, a, a moment to look at a few things about Central and just reflect a little bit. I want to begin by looking at our worship. You know, I appreciate Brett McDonald. I appreciate his heart after God. You know, talent is one thing, but heart is a whole different thing. You You cannot teach heart. Heart is something that's the intangible that God has given you, and I appreciate our worship ministry. I know that we come to exalt King Jesus, that that we come all ages are able to come and, and to exalt Christ and to lift him up and that it's prayed over and that it's it's seeking the heart of the father and in wanting people to come and express themselves and those that are on the platform yes they are talented but their heart is what brings it forth and thus we are able to join in and we come in here as though we are the choir and we've got worship leaders to come and exalt king jesus alone and that's what we do as we worship him and so that, that's the way it happens, and it, it sets an incredible environment for the Word of God to be preached and to be responded to, and, and, uh, and so I, I love what is happening through our worship ministry. I also love what is happening through our family ministry, and, and I know family ministry it, it revolves around so many things, and it's so vast, but we, I, I really believe at Central, we love from the womb to the tomb. We, from the time somebody comes to Christ, we're able to pray over them and then all the way through the tomb to so those that transition out of here into the presence of christ and all the way in bef- in between we believe that worship uh, uh, excuse me we believe that the building up of the family is so vital and and let me tell you the family isn't just a mom and a dad and a and a junior and a girl or whatever it may be i mean we, we had we have family members here that that are single people we got family members that are single moms we've got some that are that are uh uh married again or single again but but we come together as family because we want to minister to all the, the ages that are in there. And so I get so excited about what I know that Mandy and them are doing down in our preschool. I know that right now they are loving on preschoolers. And this is what they're thinking. They're not thinking, oh, I've got to take care of this baby while their mom and dad are in there. They're thinking this. I am loving on perhaps somebody that's going to be a preacher someday. I am loving on somebody who may be a doctor someday and may find a cure for something. I'm loving on some little boy or girl that may be an attorney someday that is going to be able to stand up for right out there. I'm loving on this little boy or this little girl that's going to be a city worker and they're going to be able to share the gospel with their family. And, and, and that's, that's what's going on down there. It's not about babies. It's about what they're going to become. And then I love what Ashley and them are doing right now with our kids. What they're doing with our kids right now is they're teaching them that God loves them. That God has a plan for them. That the Bible has stories in it that they want them to receive and to get. And they're hearing, and they're hearing about the good news of Jesus Christ. I know that's happening in our kids' ministry. I know what's happening in our student ministry. I know that Alan and and our student ministry team, they're not here to, to, uh, deal kids to try to, just change their behavior. They're here wanting kids to become world changers. And, and that next week, we're going to see about, I think, 30 in this current senior class that are going to graduate out of here. And the, and the deal isn't that, whoo, get them out of the youth. No, it's that they're going to go and make world change is what we're looking to do. And this family here at Central is diverse, man. I mean, it's made up of of singles, of couples, of singles again, of young adults, of middle-agers, of seniors. Um, and, and this group is newborn spiritually. They're seekers, they're longtime believers. They're even those that are here because they've wandered and they're coming back and they're finding hope as they come back. And this is a family that is, beginning with the senior pastor, is broken and imperfect for pursuing Jesus. And that's what I love about this family of central and the diversity that is here. But I also love, not only our I worship in our family ministry, but I love our community involvement. It's always been my prayer that if Central were to close its doors, is that the city would know instantly that we no longer existed. And I believe that. I believe that we have made impact in this community. I believe that there is that we learned that there's more ministry outside the walls in this campus than there are on this campus. I know that many of you are involved in so many different areas, and, and there's been times that we've sat up as a staff and as a leadership team, and we're thinking, oh, man, we need a few more people working in our children's area or a preschool area or or whatever it may be. And, uh, and uh, But what we discover is I start sitting down, and I start looking, and I'm thinking, man, how many of our people are involved in Agape Pregnancy Resource Center or... With ADRN, Austin Disaster Relief Network, or Round Rock Serving Center, or Texas Baptist Children's Home, or Sacred Heart Medical Clinic, or the Austin Baptist Soup Kitchen, or the Round Rock Housing Authority, or Central Texas Treatment Center, or uh, Blue Bonnet Elementary, where our ladies went this past week and loved on their teachers and... and uh uh, received a good the email back from from the principal there just on, on the ministry that was happening there in that area. And then I look at things like Love the Rock, and I look at like the Good Friday service, how Central was out in the forefront leading. I look at all this stuff, and I'm just thinking, Lord, that's what we're called to do. We're called to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, and that means we do it off this campus. And, and there's great service that's happening on this campus, but when I look at our community involvement, I just get I mean it excites me to know that you care for this community, but I also like what God's doing in our Bible fellowships. I love it that we're weekly opening up god's word i like uh I like how we are learning to care for one another and be, and develop christ's Christ life community. I like what Jim Warhead has done and, and seeing that these groups have developed and what is happening. And I even see that many of these groups are serving together outside of Sundays. They know that they need to be doing more than just gathering on Sundays. So they're, they're out there loving on people uh, in the community and they're doing, they're serving together. I love that. And they, um, uh, the other thing that I love is this, is that, you know, I I love it when, when I go see somebody in the hospital or go see somebody that's, that's struggling, knowing that there's already been a group of people that have gone well before me to even to be able to love on them and care for them. I love that kind of community that is developing. Do we need more of it? Sure. Sure we do. Are there certain weak points? Sure there are. But listen, we're celebrating what God is doing. One other area that I want to look at right quick, is in the area of our missions. And I know these flags have been around here forever and they can lose their, it's called visual lethargy when you see something continuously and you just start to lose its impact. But I love what Jim Rowan has done. And, and this is one of the reasons I know, I mean, before the uh, during the first service, we prayed over Rob and Libby Seton who are going back for a short-term time to Ghana just to love on them and pray over them today. But we'll be doing that constantly over the next uh, weeks and months. But, uh, I love it. This is, this is how I know, th- and this is one of the reasons I love Central. Pam and I, in part of our, our prayer, on Wednesdays, we pray for world missions. It's just part of that. Uh, we, we have different things we just pray for on a daily basis before we go to bed, and we pray for world missions. But this is what I love. We don't pray. God send missionaries around the world. Uh, we need missionaries around the world. We do. Uh, but, but we're able to pray for specific people that we know. I mean, we're praying for people all over the world that we know that have worshipped where you're worshipping or they've been a part and we're able to... I just think about some place like India right now that's closing down to Christian things and to be able to pray over Cliff and Laura that have been there and to pray over Molly and Nam who are about to go to India and to pray for the, the, the Robertsons who used to be there and are now ministering to uh, people in, in outside of London in England where these Muslim people, to, to think about the Blacklocks who used to be there and just to pray for people specifically by name. And I thank God, I thank you that right here from this place we can touch the world. I mean, specifically and personally, that, that just jazzes me. And so there's so many things about Central that, that are so I'm just so excited about. It. Sure, there are places, there are places of, of areas of concern a little bit, but, but, uh, but I'm so excited. I want to thank God for what he's doing through you. But I want to talk to you about something else right quick, and this concerns me. These are trends that concern me deeply as I look at the body of Christ in the West, and especially in the United States. And these concern me. And I just want to share some of these with you because these are certain things that we need to be in prayer about. And let me just share some of them with you. Number one is this, Luby's Church. You know what Luby's Church is? Luby's Church are those, oh, I want that kid's ministry. Oh, I want that youth ministry. Oh, I want their worship. It's really good. Or I want that pastor the way he preaches and so what they do is, is people at Luby's church start picking because of what they want that pleases them instead of putting roots in and saying, God, how can you use me here for this? And with Luby's church, is also comparison church. Comparison church is is that why, why aren't we more like First Baptist or why aren't we more like Celebration or why aren't we more like First Methodist or why aren't we more like them or why aren't we more like them? Why don't we do what they do? And instead of realizing the uniqueness of what God has done. And then part of that comparison is that. It said, man, why didn't Mark preach like Andy Stanley or Craig Rochelle that I'm watching on the Internet every day? And they're good. I listen to them. I'm thinking, man, I wish I could do that. And so what happens is is we start into this, not only is it lubies, now it's comparison. And you start measuring, and, and what happens is, is that pretty soon you you thinking, Oh man, we're just not measuring up because of because of that. And that's a trend that concerns me. And it's not I'm not talking about just central, I'm talking about the church in America. And here's another one that, that this trend concerns me. I love the millennial generation. I really do. And I know there's many stuff that says they're walking away from church and these kind of things. But l you gotta be careful in, in some of that. But uh what I love about the millennial generation is they literally want to change the world. They want to do away with world hunger. They want to do away with AIDS. They want to do away with, I mean, they are really bent on certain things. And it's not just the millennials. There's people today that want to change things in the world. Um, if you watched the Kentucky Derby yesterday, there was a commercial that came on. Matt Damon was in it. And Matt Damon's talking about, uh, pure water around the world. Wouldn't you, and then he says something like, wouldn't you want to be known as the generation that developed pure water all around the world. Well, I don't know anything about Matt Damon faith-wise, but, but but it had nothing to do with faith. It had to do with just world changers. And that's what they're saying about a young adult culture today is that we want to be world changers. We want to change world, world stuff. But this is the, what I've discovered with that. They want to change the world, but they still want to sleep with their boyfriend or girlfriend. Pam and I are dealing with some of this. We, 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 we talk to somebody and, and, and they're going through a, a, a class at their church about serving, but yet they're living together and thinking, we want to change the world, but yet we don't want to walk in moral purity. Now, there are some people walking in moral purity that don't have a heart for the world. It's just as bad a, a, a trend there. But, but I'm thinking, this is a trend that concerns me it concerns me greatly in our world. Let me share a couple of others. I'm kind of throwing up on you. Here's another one. This this trend, it's not just central. This is, this is pastors I visit with all the time and I look at it. The trend of the lack of consistency with gathering with the body to worship. In other words, this is the mentality. If I don't have something else come up, I will be at church this Sunday. And this is a trend that is... That is across our nation right now, and and this lack of consistency is for two reasons. One is the breakdown of the family is one, the other one is the over busyness of the family on the other side. And uh, and, and so you know, I, I know within myself I'm thinking, God, what do we do? I mean, I understand busyness, and I understand if 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 you only have your kids every other week and this kind of stuff. But it's a trend across our nation that is, it's taking the local expression and and just, man, almost making it half-manned. I got a couple more. You okay? This goes right behind that. That there are people... That do not have a need for the local church. I'm talking about Christians. They love Jesus, but they don't love the church. That's like loving loving the church or loving me and hating Pam. I mean that you know that that kind of thing. Uh, but they they just don't see the need for the local expression. They used to be active. They used to go. They used to be involved. But then all of a sudden they decide they don't need it anymore and or so are they, or I'm just going to go to another church. I'm going to go start ch- check, checking out other things or I'm going to quit going all the way around cuz I don't need it that much. I'm not sure it fits a need in my life. I can have that need fit in so, somewhere else. These are trends. These these are honest to goodness trends that are happening today. And what concerns me is is we have people that leave central uh um, and and every time somebody talks to me and says, "Mark, we're 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 uh we're praying. Or we're not praying. We're, we're leaving Central, and, and blah blah blah. Here's the reason. And, and sometimes it's justifiable reason. I mean, I'm not saying it's not a justifiable reason. But every time somebody says that to me as a pastor, I'm thinking, what did I do? What did we do? And oftentimes it's just a heart of we don't need the church. And then there's people that move here and they've lived here three three years, five years, whatever, and it's not been a a, a thing for them. These are just trends I'm seeing. I'm just laying them out to you. These things keep me awake. Um, Here's another one. Is that targeting people. Now, listen, we live in one of the fastest growing places in the United States, young families. If we did not... If we did not do things to reach young families, we'd be foolish. But sometimes we cater to targeting people so much that we no longer target Jesus. We're so much after trying to do things to attract people that the Lord doesn't he- even have anything to do with it. This is, this is trends in our country. And, and, and I think about that and I think, God, have I ever been guilty of trying to manipulate ministry to reach people without exalting you? in the process um last one until right now prayerlessness we say we pray we say we seek the heart of the father we say we're praying people but really we throw up token prayers i heard a guy speak last week and he was talking about prayer and he said, so many of our prayers are instantaneous prayers. Heal me now. Give me this. Give me that. Give me a job. Give me a new job. Give me a better job. Give me a wife. Give me a husband. Make my kids good. And we want them, we're, we're just like that. God, give me, give me, give me. He said, have you ever thought? And he said, you need to think about this that maybe your prayer is something that is going to be set in motion that's going to be answered 10 years from now instead of instantaneous. And I thought about that and I thought, God, are we bearing the fruit of prayers that we lifted up 10 years ago today? And I'm thinking, God, what prayers do I need to be praying today that 10 years from now are going to be bearing fruit Those are trends I see. I, I, know, I know I need to wrap this up. I want to I share with you one last thought the Lord gave me. And I want you to turn with me to a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 14. I'll be brief with this. 1 Kings chapter 14. And I'm going to be reading in verse 25 to verse 28 in just a moment. But let me give you a little historical background because I think this is very, very important for you to, to hear. Is that um, King David... Was king for 40 years, you remember? And uh, King David was a great king, man after God's own heart. King David's son, Solomon, became king. King David wanted to build a temple. He couldn't build it because he had blood on his hands, is what God said. So he was going to let his son Solomon build it. Solomon built the temple. And let me tell you, we, we have no clue how incredibly immaculate and glorious the temple was. I mean, we read about it in Scripture, but I'm telling you, it was incredible. I mean, just what they had built. I mean, it just, you know, if a if a facility could just point to God and say, "This is our God," I mean, the, the temple did that. And one of the things that Solomon had made is he had 300 shields of gold that were made, and these gold shields were brought out when they would go to worship. And, I mean, I, can't ima- I cannot put a, a money price on how much those gold shields cost. Can you imagine 300 gold shields? It's like when they, even when the sunlight would hit it, the reflection would just be enormous because of these shields that were made. And so that's what they were made for. They just showed the greatness of God, and they were part of the worship when they would come out. Incredible. Well, what happened was is Solomon died, and his son Rehoboam became king. Okay. Now, Rehoboam had a morality problem. I'm going to, I'm going to read in verse 25, but I want to back up just a second. This, so you can know what Rehoboam did and Judah did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And they provoked him to jealousy with their sins that they committed more than all that their fathers had done. For they also built for themselves high places and pillars and ashrim on every high hill and under every green tree. And there was also male cult prostitutes in the land. We're talking about the sensuality and the abominations were unbelievable. for taking place in this place uh, by under Rehoboam, okay? So here's what happens in verse 25. Look at this. In the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt, he came up against Jerusalem. He took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took away everything. He also took away all the shields of gold that Solomon had made, that I just told you about. And King Rehoboam, hear this, made in their place shields of bronze and committed them to the hands of the officers of the guard who kept the door of the king's house. And as often as the king went into the house of the Lord... The guard carried them and brought them back to the guard room. Now, that doesn't sound like a big deal, but you see what just happened? They had these gold shields that had to be awe-inspiring. Here comes this king from Egypt up, takes over. He, he basically ransacks, takes all the, 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 the wealth, and he took those shields. So Rehoboam did this so he could save face, so they could continue to worship He had shields of bronze made. Now, these bronze shields had nothing in comparison to the gold that was made. But he decided to make something else. And as I read that this week, I thought, God, are we guilty of making replicas of true worship of you that are but shields of bronze when you're asking us to be shields of gold? I want that to make sense. I want that to click in. I don't want you to miss that. I think just like, just like the worship was going to continue, they had shields of gold that were incredible. Now they were stepping back to some replica that didn't even make sense. And I wonder sometimes if we're not guilty, and I throw myself in the, in the pot here, if we're not guilty of giving God replicas that are not the real thing instead of adoring Him as shields of gold. This week, Friday afternoon, I went to a nursing home to visit a lady that, uh, known for a long time, I had lost touch to be honest with you, and uh, she wanted me to come by to see her. And um, she uh, is dying. She, one lung has already quit, the other one's two-thirds quitting, so she's breathing on a third of a lung. And she wanted me to come by. I hadn't seen her in years, and so uh you know, I go in there and uh um, i mean she's she's very alert, it's not like she's on morphine and you know heading out this kind of stuff, even though she knows she could die at any moment and she starts she wanted to talk to me about something she wanted to ask my forgiveness for something that that yes, but it wasn't anything wild out there but she wanted me to come and she wanted to talk to me and let me tell you something she she shared with me a a vision that God had given her I mean she's radiating she's smiling she's talking to me she's giving the Lord all this glory and she had this vision of, of her hand and God's hand and it's just a matter of time before they come together I mean it was a beautiful picture and she's radiating Christ and she's she's wanting to take every breath she has as she knows is a gift from God and she wants to give it back to him in glory and talk to people and pray with people and share with people. Thus, I got the call and and, and, in these kind of things. And this is my thinking as I was thinking about that. I thought she is a shield of gold. She is a shield of gold. Physically, she's fragile. Physically, she's about to transition out of here. But she is a shield of gold. I thank God, am I going to be a shield of bronze, a replica, or am I going to be a shield of gold? I love Central. I love you. gosh, I love you. And I and pray that God would use us to His glory, but I want to be shields of gold. Let's pray in just a moment. There's going to be prayer teams up here and elders, pastors to pray with you. The Lord's Supper is available on my left. I know we took it last week as a a family, but maybe you need that intimate touch with the Lord. These steps are an altar to come and kneel and pray at. And maybe some of you want to just come and pray for Central. Just join me in the prayer that we will be shields of gold. But I know in a group this big that some of you have to confess that there are certain things in your life that you know the Holy Spirit is calling you close to the Lord. And so I, I, in just a moment, i to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to come pray. Just come. As, as God leads you, I never want to manipulate you. I don't want to ever be legalist i want you to be led by god's spirit father lord you know our hearts you know our agendas you know our hidden motives god you know the games we play and lord uh You know what is truly righteous in us. I thank You for Your Son. And so, Lord, I pray that even now that we would be grateful for this part of the body that You've put us in, known as Central. But, Lord, we will join our hearts together to say we want to be shields of gold. But, Lord, it begins with each one of us. Probably 300 people in this room just like those 300 shields, God, are we willing to be gold? But sometimes, Lord, it may mean we got to come and repent. It may mean we need to come and, and lay some things down. So, Lord, we're just giving you this time over the next few moments that you would speak to our hearts.